So, hey guys, this isn't Tracy. This is actually her best friend, Girdley. And because me and that crazy girl have been through like uh, 10 years of adventures, I thought I'd hit y'all with a disclaimer of sorts. First and lastly, do know that whatever the hell Tracy shares in this podcast comes from her very own treasure chest of magic, logic, and good intentions. She's definitely not a therapist alternative, but she does believe it's inhumane to withhold what feels like gangsta insight. My girl's not for everyone, but she just might be for you. She's beauty in the Welcome, what it do, and welcome again. Tis I, Tracy G, and you are listening to the official She's Beauty and the Beast podcast. Here to satisfy your cravings for emotional empowerment. Here for anyone who has a hankering for half sparkly, half gritty life edutainments. Thanks for having a seat at my table, babes. So for episode 13... I'm talking to one of the most popular wordsmiths and spirit menders, I'm going to call him, on the world wide web and in real life, mind you, my pal Rob Hill Sr. This dude has written several books on love, healing, and purpose. He has done a flurry of hella effective speaking engagements. And if you check out the comments section under his Instagram quotables, they are usually crammed with exclamation points and these all caps reactions in full freaking agreement of what he's posted. So many people, they look at Rob as a motivation pumping machine, which I get and I know he gets, but... Really, he's just a human, a human dedicated to living within his light and not his wounds. So if you want to learn how to navigate murky waters in life, activate your passion, and as Rob says, edit as you grow, well, then here's a suggestion for you. Holla at your journal, maybe grab a glass of wine, consider throwing a podcast party, and fuck with me. Because this is a beautiful one. <laughs> Let's talk to Rob. I definitely want to edify you a little bit from my perspective. Because we've known each other. Our friendship has been blooming for what, two years now? Mm-hmm. Something yeah. to that to that effect. Yeah. And over the course of that time, you've really been a companion in my life journey. Not just through our personal relationship, but through your work, um, the tandem has really been amazing in my life. And I always like to put things into analogies. So I feel like, let me handpick the right analogy for my buddy, (laughs) Rob Hill Sr. (laughs) You know what, and honestly, Rob, I think especially from the work that we did with um, Love Light and that good shit, and then also hearing all of Eden. FYI, because you might not know, Eden is Rob's second poetry album from 2015. You really are like um, an extra battery pack in my in my moral compass when it feels like it's low or like an extra battery pack in my in my flashlight during my personal dark times, you know, and I really appreciate you as such. And I know that's how a lot of different people that we know and a lot of different people that we don't know view you as sort of not sort of but completely 
this guide for millennials in helping us to not only recognize our potential, but then break out of that and dive completely into our purpose, you know, crawl, walk, sprints, fall, crawl again, and, you know, complete that rotation again. And also with just helping us to um, manifest healthy relationships, um, maintain and sustain them. So that's how I would introduce you, but how would you introduce yourself? I would introduce myself by saying, I'm Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Robert. No, um, you know, if, 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 you know, I, you can kind of tell by who's asking a question, like if they need to hear a title or whatever, but in my simplest forms, I'm, I'm, I'm a helper. I'm a helper because I believe myself valuable enough to contribute. Mm-hmm. Uh, my contribution is through writing, through speaking, through gathering people, through hugging, you know, um, but at a very sense, I'm a helper. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm somebody who wants to be there on that rough day, who wants to be there on that dark night, who wants to be there at that high moment when you're celebrating. You know, um, a lot of people look for the tools when they're down, um, but a lot of what I have is about keeping you up, right. you know, so... um I'm, I'm a helper, you know, and if you want to hear author, philanthropist, or speaker, we can play with those titles, but uh, the one I answer to with the most admiration is Robert, you know, or Dad. Right. So I don't need that other stuff. Yeah, I'm here with you, man. It's like, it's nice accessories, and it's and it's cool icing, but if your cake ain't right, no one gives a fuck right. about the icing, yo. <laughs> you can keep right, that. Right. Um, and I've noticed you mentioned the other H word, hugger. And I've been peeping, you know, your timeline and how a lot of times you'll say hug someone today. And where does that come from? Like, what's the importance of hugging compared to like make out with someone today or another (laughs) H word, hump someone today? (laughs) What is it Uh, about hugging that's truly important and valuable? Well, every day, you know, I I tend to get messages from people who are, you know, going through real life situations, you know, some who want to end their life, some who don't see no way for the, a way for their life, some who, you know, don't have life. And hug somebody is just my form of reminding people to touch each other in this existence. A lot of people are walking around cold. A lot of people are walking around stone and stiff. Um, and we don't forget how uplifting a good hug can be. And if you don't believe it to be uplifting, I just want people to try it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we live through our phones, through our, um, you know, through our devices, through all of these other things. And we forget the you know, human touch matters mm-hmm. in order for us to stay uh, vibrant, you know. So encouraging people to hug is just my way of just saying, just interact, man. Just touch each other today. Um, feel the embrace of somebody else, you know, and, and, and you know, just share that energy. Um, and, and, and I'm a hugger, you know, I grew up in a family full of people. We like hugging, mm. you know, I think it's just a, a reminder. I rock with you, yeah. you know, but also, um, it's a reminder that you're not alone, you know, hugs are symbolic for a lot of reasons, um, but not to make it deeper than it needs to be. It's really just, Hey, look somebody in their eye, you know, and remind them uh, of what it feels like to, to be close to you, to feel you, to have your presence, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also when you're hugging, 
you know, on a biological level, serotonin is released. You know what I mean? It's not just, okay, hug someone because it's a nice thing to do. But on the inside, um, you do actually receive a lot of nice, like, happy hormones that are spinning around. And and you realize, going back to how people are just more so um, communicating via technology on an excessive level versus in real life, um, I could say in experience, hugging is way more gratifying than receiving a retweet. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> For sure. Like, I would much rather you hug me. So I'm I'm on board with the Hug Someone campaign. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get that moving. Uh, again, it's just it's just a touch. Man. We, we forget how important it is. We literally limit touch um, into war or aggression or into, you know, intimate moments, you know. Yeah. Um, but there are certain simple things like holding hands, a hug, um, a forehead kiss. Uh, you know what I mean? Th- those simple things um, feel good, you know, feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people just want acknowledgement. Like, I think that is a simple human need. So something as simple as especially a surprise hug, you know what I mean, can do yeah. a lot more to turn the dial in someone's day than than we than we tend to give actual credit to. Um, so I want to go back to our first hug. <laughs> <laughs> our first hug happened when you were a guest on Sway in the Morning. We're in 2016 now, so let's let's do minus two and take ourselves to 2014. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, okay, Rob Hill Senior is coming through, and and I didn't necessarily know what to expect. I had a good idea of who you were, but, you know, this was via perception. And not to say that perception is always inaccurate when mm-hmm. um, put side by side with reality, but still perception nonetheless. And it has to be proven. Right. And I was like, OK, a lot of girls. I don't know if you know Rob Hill, but a lot of women Rob Hill Sr. comes to mind. It's like, oh, is this, you know, Rob Hill's like Denzel meets Black Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, bro. Okay, this is what be whispered on the streets. Okay, so I was like, let me see. I want to when he comes in, uh, let's peel back this perception and see what's really sitting at the core of this man. And it feels so good that I can say you are. 101 percent authenticity like that is your main and sole ingredient to who you are and i'm wondering to myself because i know i've gotten to know you in the latter chapters of this journey of yours you're 29 now so talk to me about rob hill senior at 19 compared to 29 Rob's a senior at 19 yeah young um, Robert yeah I was uh I was a student at Norfolk State it's probably my, I was going on my sophomore year my second year um and I was exploring we'll say that we'll say exploring man by this time at 19 um I had been locked up once for reckless driving <laughs> um, Virginia Beach City Jail. Does reckless I driving was, mean drunk driving? I wasn't drunk. I had a rental that I shouldn't have had, and um, 
I was going 98 on a 55, or so they say. They didn't let me see it. But um, they said 98 and 55. And I was driving. It was like, you know those Buick commercials? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was like, (laughs) it was one of those Buicks uh, that I rented. And it was actually really smooth. Like, those commercials not lying. Um, but, Shout out to Buick. But I was only in it for an hour. Uh, my cousin rented it for me. I, was not, I wasn't old enough to rent a car. But um, I was used to driving a 92 Honda Accord. You know, it was the first car I bought for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my parents, you know, they said I had to go at 17. Um, so it was like the first car I bought for myself. Um, and I'm kind of dipping in, but I know you'll ask questions. Yeah. Uh, so... I just was in a place where I wasn't concerned with much of anything. Um, I wasn't concerned with with growing because I really didn't know what that looked like. I thought growth was like, you know, I, I just get it as I get older. I thought that's what people did. I didn't really realize that it was like a deliberate thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at 19, I literally was just enjoying the freedom of not having to move when somebody said move, not having to come in because we lived on a base. So, not, you know, I was enjoying, the, you know, what college was about, uh, at least trying to learn. But I was partying, man. I just wasn't thinking about what was next um, mm-hmm. every day. Now, granted, I've always had what I believe to be sent. Right. Um, and when you pair sense with experience, you probably call it wisdom. But I've always had some good sense because I grew up around people uh, who were smart, you know, or at least I, I think shared some of the right things. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't just wild. I just I mean, well, I was a 19 year old boy, mm-hmm. you know, like I didn't I didn't think further than that week. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're probably just more about self. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, that's all I had. At least that's all I thought I had. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, that's, that was the message in the music. That was the message, you know, trust nobody. That's, that, those are the popular things that we learn as young adults, you know. Um, it's like, you know, when you learn a new language, you're going to learn uh, all the curse words first. Most people, at least I do. <laughs> um, and, in life, in young adulthood, you tend to learn the bad things first, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they're masked as, um, other stuff, but yeah, I, I learned a lot of the bad habits first. Right, and that's interesting that you say that because when we're first introduced to the world, we don't know that it's the world yet. It almost looks like an extension of heaven, right? Until mm-hmm. that first bad moment happens, and you're like, "Oh, okay, um, I'm, I'm a mortal." <laughs> These people called humans come with flaws that's the fine print to us you know and what you said is is one of the first things we discover um purposely or otherwise are the bad things so what was your first memory like your unhappiest memory that you have um i was 18 my my best friend had just passed it was march of 2006 and I just remember feeling terribly alone. Um, it was coming up on a year, which I was, you know, not living with my family anymore. Just kind of bouncing around, you know, a couple months here um, with my dad, a couple months, you know, a couple of days here on my boys' couch, maybe stay with this girl, maybe stay, um, you know, with, with, with another friend. 
So it wasn't really consistent. I was just bouncing around, and that didn't matter because my life, you know, it was, it was pretty fast. Mm-hmm. But this moment, um, as I got myself dressed, I, I was working at the barbershop at the time because I used to cut hair. Um, so I got dressed. I went to the barbershop to, uh, you know, just give myself a quick edge up. Um, and I just remember sitting there trying to write, like, what I would say. You know, they were asking me to come up and talk. And I was just trying to figure out, like, what did I want to say? Um, and back then, I just wrote poems. Like, that was the, the thing that kind of helped. Mm-hmm. So I wrote him a poem. And I remember just kind of, you know, crying in and out. Because I just felt lonely. Like, I didn't feel close to my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did... I didn't really feel like I had any friends to join me with this. You know, all these people that I would party with every weekend, blah, blah, blah. I just felt real, real whack. <laughs> it was, you know, it was lonely. Right. Um, and I remember that drive there and then, you know, going through the ceremony, sharing my piece and, you know, hugging my family, embracing them because they were extremely close to him too. Uh, his grandmother and my grandmother were best friends. So it was like, a, we, we were tight. Um, and then I just remember leaving and still feeling by myself. Um, and at that point, you know, like I said, I wasn't really living with much responsibility between 17 and 20. So I just kind of lived a little faster after that. Right. So what did that loss teach you about life? Well, I think that, I think that early on I saw it as a loss. Um, but it was another reminder that we are in control, you know? And I think when I was younger, that used to be a defeating thought. Like, I have no control. I'm never going to have no control, right? Um, but I think that that loss now, looking back, it taught me the value of my time. Mm. It really showed me how quick it could be gone. I was literally on the phone with him an hour and a half before he got in an accident. Um, and it was just fast. Like, I'm over here planning to tell him we're going to a party this weekend, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it's done. You know, it's done. And that that really, really shook me. You know, it kind of scared me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can imagine. You mentioned how... You wrote a poem for him, and during that period, the first products you produced with your pen were poems. So talk to me about what what was the allure with writing? What really kindled you to, I don't know, pop open your computer, or for it was flipping through, you know, fresh pages of a notebook? But what really ch- made you choose writing as a medium for catharsism? I think... Writing has been with me the whole time. Like, it's, you know, I moved around a lot. I've told you, I went to a lot of schools. We lived in a lot of different places. And this is before, you know, social media and stuff. So you don't necessarily get to keep your friends. You know, you know, writing was a way for me to at least keep the moments. Mm-hmm. Um, or for at least remember what certain parts of my life felt like. Because um, when I wrote it, I can go back to how I felt that day. I could go back to, you know, that experience or, or attach some things to each line, mm-hmm. you know. So writing was just something I always had. My mom is a writer. Um, it, it was just 
you know, something for me. So as I got older, writing became the thing that made sense of it all. Right. You know, writing, because you, you can sit there and you can take out a piece of paper right now. And if you're comfortable, you may be able to write something done. But if not, if I tell you to fill it up halfway, you're going to stop and think of something to write. Because, like, usually when we put pen to paper, we think that some another eye is going to see it other than our own. Mm-hmm. Like, it's alive. It's not in, just stuck in our mind anymore. And I just needed to get it out. I knew if stuff stayed in my mind, you know, it wasn't going to be good. I just felt like I was overcrowded, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when did you decide okay, I'm going to start sharing with the public because sometimes that can be a very daunting step for artists. And I'm someone who believes that we're all artists, creatives um, in some capacity. But when you're sharing your vulnerability on wax, essentially, sometimes you don't want it to be stained with the opinions of others, with the ignorance of others, you know, with the rejection of others, even though on the flip end of that um, is the beauty of it resonating with another person's heart. But to cut through all of that and really just hightail it to the point, when did you decide, hey, it's time to share? I was doing it little by little. In high school, I think my first time putting it up was like I shared a poem as my way message. Right, and I put it in like quotations to make it like make it seem like it wasn't mine. Hmm. Uh, remember what that was? Uh, I don't remember the exact poem, but I, it it was it was something. It was a couple of lines. Um, what was it about? It was about a girl. Like starting out, I just wrote about girls mm-hmm. um, and my experiences with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that why you didn't want to take ownership of it? <laughs> Because old girl might send you a quick little. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, nah, she, she. I don't know. She actually. It wasn't. It wasn't mean. It wasn't a mean thing about a girl. Um, but yeah, it was. It was. It was about a girl. Um, and if she saw it, she probably would have smiled. I, at least I would hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she definitely doesn't know it's about her, and that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In a lot of ways, so, that kind of keeps the purity of it, right? Yeah, no, and and then also I learned back then um, to not to not abuse what I believed was a gift and a talent, right? Like it's not writing hasn't been something that I use like, oh, girl, I'm gonna write you this letter, and then you go, you know, it's that's not something I've done. I tried to make sure that I was writing from a very uh, honest place, you know. Um, so when I was sharing them, I would get messages here and there, like, yo, that's dope. Who wrote that? And then if they asked about it, then I would admit it, right? Um, but if nobody asked about it, then it didn't matter, right? I didn't say anything. Hmm. So um, I eventually started sharing on MySpace. Then I started sharing on Facebook in 05. Then I started an email list in 2008. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. So when you were doing MySpace, did you finally credit yourself? Yeah, I definitely started crediting myself. Huh. MySpace was like the first time I ever went by Rob Hill. For it. Okay, and then was that an easy decision for you to make? Yeah, it was pretty quick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty quick. Wait, can I pause you real quick? Um, You said that writing is a gift and a talent, and it brings me to, I don't know if you heard Beanie Siegel's interview on, on um, tax season, but he said there's a difference between gift and talent. 
He says, mm-hmm. when something is a gift, you don't necessarily have to work on it <laughs> because it's, it's kind of just, it's innate, you know? It's a part mm-hmm. of your DNA. But when something is a talent, you constantly have to exercise it or else that muscle um, becomes weak. Do you mm-hmm. agree with that? Um, yeah, I guess I would just add another layer of skill to it. You know, I, I think that um, talent and when you actually put that work in, you know, you can have skill mm-hmm. um, because skill is, you know, repetition. That's something that you get from learning yes. um, and experience. Um, and then sometimes, you know, I, I think talent is just it's a natural ability. It's something God gave you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's and that's cool. But talent just isn't enough. You know, talent is like the spark. Right. Skill actually turns talent into a career, I think. Um, and then the gift, you know, uh, I think that the gift is, is, um, the gift, yeah, I mean, that's just what God gives you. That's just what God gives you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the part that you don't get to, the gift, it works kind of like your mind. It's, it's like, um, the mind is a powerful tool. Um, you can misuse it, but you can never diminish its power, right? So your gift is what God gives you. It's a thing that you can misuse, but you really can't diminish its power. It's there regardless. Uh-huh. Um, and it's for you to elevate if you should tap into it. Right. Yep. Totally get it. Okay. Bringing us back up to speed. Um, okay. So you started with sharing on MySpace and then... Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean... I, I guess I was just sprinkling out there. Nothing was consistent. I didn't get consistent until I had an email list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started, and that was about 2008. And I started with like 22 people. So I went, you know, AIM, Instant Messenger, MySpace to my own blog, which was like a blog spot. Then from there, I got a Facebook. I started sharing in the notes. And, and then from there, it was just straight email because huh. uh, I joined the Navy in 2008. Okay, so give me a little, a quick tour of um, your mind when it comes to this decision making. Was it kind of braided with these two factors? One, I want to be a voice for the voiceless, in a sense, and, and really be able to um, highlight my emotions because they're going to um, resonate with someone else. Along with, I think I have something here. Let me brand myself. Let me see how I can turn this into a business. Or was it in singular terms, just one or the other? Um, I think it was really, you know, I was writing for myself at first. I didn't know it was good enough to do anything more. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was like, oh, I'm about to just start writing. And people, you know, I really thought it was going to be something that it took me 20 years to do. You know, it was like, I'm going to write and I'm going to share. And when I got in the Navy, I needed an escape. It was a lot of work to do and we were always gone. Mm-hmm. So writing was my, my way to keep communication, you know, and I realized like, hey, I can't wait for people to email me. out. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to forget. So I need to send them something. <laughs> and then that something, you know, ultimately became thoughts for the day. Um, and that was me just sending out a quick, you know, 10 sentence max saying of whatever was on my mind and I, and I used it as a writing exercise to write consistently, you know, so I had to send that out every day by 9am. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my mind with it all, I was, I didn't know I had a brand to like two and a half 
three years ago. Um, huh. And what was that aha moment? Well, it was just like people kept asking me, like, what is your brand about? And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I, I write books. Like, this, I'm just here to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know I had to make it look this way and, you know, get get all of these components. Because really, it was just a step-by-step, okay, this is working? All right, well, obviously, if this is working and people are counting on me in this area, I need to service this. I need to build this so it can support it. Mm -hmm. Um, So really, my main goal was to have independence. I wanted to be able to be there for my son as much as possible. I wanted to be able to make money from my own ideas um, because I went to school for entrepreneurship. So business, I thought I was just going to be a pretty good business guy, you know? Mm and then writing was, that was my hobby. That's the fun part, right? That's the part where I get to take it and, you know, the part that I don't get explained to everyone. Mm-hmm. It just so happens when I started sharing it on social media, people called it advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I talk about this part. I guess you pair it with the bald head and the beard. Um, <laughs> and then it was like a whole nother thing instantly. Um, then it was, you know, you're a relationship expert and, you know, all of these things. But really it was just, I don't want to be a blogger. I don't have anything against bloggers, but I don't want to keep up with that stuff every single day. So if I have all of this stuff, because I've been writing so many years, I'm going to put it in book format, you know, and then once you publish one book, you start to believe you're an author, not just a writer. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was the transition for me. Like once I saw my name on my first book cover, I instantly knew I was an author. Right. I knew that I was going to keep making this process happen. And I was 24 years old at the time. Wow. So it was like, you know, I was about to get out of the Navy. Uh, So I had a little meeting with my mom. Like, listen, I got a GI Bill. You know, they'll give me a little bit of money each month. Um, But I got to try this. I got to see if this is real. You know, I'm going to try to get in college and then I'll write, you know, and if this is not a real thing, if I haven't turned it into a career in two years, I'll get back in the Navy. Mm. Um, so by 2014, you know, I was, I met you sway in the morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> Look at that. It was, it was, you know, I had, I had put out three books by this time and one audio book and one mixtape. So I put out six things, you know, in this two year period. Um, and then that's when, you know, things just were growing from there. It was really growing. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember initially when I first found out about you and, you know, I'm seeing the Rob Hill Sr. tweets come swimming down my timeline. And I'm like, oh, OK, this is dope. This feels right. Um, and, and it feels, like I said in the beginning, authentic. And I, I recall at that time you really going by the title of Heart Healer. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about where that title, how that title came to be, and then walk me to the present because I noticed you don't use it as much. I don't know if it's purposeful or if it's just, you know, unconscious, but yeah, yeah. Well, and maybe answer that was, part first. <laughs> <laughs> so starting out, it was, um, you know, I was right. And a lot of people would respond, you know, you really helping me heal, you know, a, def- a few different variations of that. Uh, so when it came to social media, you know, you you were getting the Twitters and the Instagrams and you're kind of trying to share, you know, information on both platforms. Everybody had, you know, these extensive bios, man. It was like, I do 10 things, you know, and it was like, I can't keep up with that. Like everybody, like I was rated this, I was, you know, um, 
So one day I posted a picture of my son and one of the comments was like, he's going to be a little heartbreaker when he gets older. <laughs> and that paired with the quote that I, I, I'm not too fond of, which is hurt people hurt people, which mm-hmm. is just like, and I think it was a Drake lyric out, you know, he was calling himself heartbreak Drake or something like that. Yeah. So like a lot of guys had that as their IG name. And it was just interesting how quick we were to embrace that culture, right? Like nothing against Drake. I love his music. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, but it was just, no, if we can be heartbreakers on the same token, we can be heart healers too. Like mm-hmm. if I can break you down, um, there has to be something in me that can build you up, right? There has to be something in me that is good for this world. So when I put heart healer in there, it was just me saying, I'm I'm not like what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm actually one of the people who is trying to construct. And I'm not saying I'm going to do it perfectly, but I can say that I've healed myself several times. You know, um, and my words, my my contribution through book, through these sources are proof of that, you know, and if you'd like to read them, cool. If not, give me time to earn your ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of um, self-healing, what was your biggest heartbreak? Oh, well, let's go back to because I didn't necessarily stop he- losing using heart healer, mm-hmm. um, but it's oh, kind of okay. it. It ended up working as a branding tool. Like people remember it, mm-hmm. like people know it. Um, so, but I started realizing that was, I felt like that was giving people the connotation that I was, I was trying to say I was more than I wasn't. Like, I felt like at this point, because people were coming more familiar with me, I needed a more concrete thing there. That makes um, sense. Okay, that makes right. sense. I don't want to leave people like, because at this point, you know, there's an argument like, is he a relationship expert? Is he this? Is he that? Um, and I don't want to leave heart healer there and make you feel like I'm trying to allude to it in an under Because the truth is, you know, heart healer has nothing to do with romance. You know, it has everything to do with being whole, right? Um, you know, being solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember one time in an interview saying, um, you can't be an expert because we change every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, who wants to try to be? I don't want to be a people uh, person. I can't be a people expert. Uh, right. People change. They grow. You know, I can study principles of growth. I can study uh, trajectory. I can study a whole bunch of things about growth. But it's still going to be dependent on the individual. All good things grow differently. Mm. Is there any uh, principle or advice that you once um used to give that now just doesn't serve you like it wouldn't leave your mouth yeah i used to be really a lot of my my messages uh, i won't say a lot but there were a good number of messages that were just very impatient it was like if they don't do this and cut them off you know if they don't do you know and i think that at this point I know for a fact that cutting people off too soon before you learn a lesson is detrimental because mm-hmm. then you have to go through that cycle again. Um, I learned that just passing people off, treating everybody in your life like they're disposable, and that reflects uh, about the quality of your time, you know, and and where you invest it, you know, because if you're only investing into things you can just throw away, mm-hmm. you know, then you're not somebody's time I really want to earn. You know, uh, so mine was, it, I think the message before was just, it was just that of a young person, right? That of a 24-year-old who um, thought he knew something, right? That of a 25-year-old. And in each level, I, I always say, 
my favorite quote that doesn't really it's not circulating, but I say I edit as I grow. Mm-hmm. You know, these are these are living words, right? Um, and I get a chance to go back and look at them with fresh eyes each time I choose to grow. So I wouldn't say that I, you know, I put out some bad stuff, but there were some stuff that I didn't, I did not have the experience to flush it all the way out, right? right? I may have had it at 70%, you know? That makes sense. So last year, I feel like we did awesome work together when you joined me for one of um, the audio vision boards from my affirmation EP, Love Versus Lust. And you know I've been very open about uh, being a co-signer of celibacy and just um, confusing lust for love too many times <laughs> or, or or not realizing that in a lot of ways, lust is a counterfeit version of love. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. for you, one, how do you define love and how do you define lust? I want to hear that from your words. How do I define love? Um, well, I do have a definition that I use for love. Um, one, I, I define it out of First Corinthians 13, but my personal definition is love is a commitment to protecting another person's heart with the same passion you use to guard your own. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I find lust? Um, the shortcut. It's, it is the, the shortcut to faking it, right? It is... Um, Microwave and infatuation, right? That's kind of a quote I used to use. But yeah, microwave and infatuation. Mm-hmm. Um, lust is the easy part, right? It's the convenience. It's um, everything, the low-hanging fruit, everything that's, that's at your reach. Absolutely. So when it came to um, women, do you think that you first experienced lust or was your first experience, your first um, heavy emotion with women love? Love. My first heavy one was love. Um, I was, you know, my mom, she raised me close. I grew up in a family full of women. So, like, I had this deep, I have this deep admiration and respect for women, you know, because I've been seeing, I've seen so many brilliant sides of them. Mm -hmm. I got cheated on by my first two girlfriends in high school. Damn, how'd you Um, find out? (laughs) First one, I was in uh, Mama's Mall um, in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were in the food court, and she walked uh, out of the ba- out of the movies um, into the food court area. I was with the basketball team. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exciting, right? Um, yeah, and then, whoa. Uh, and then the second time, uh, she kind of let me know, but I had moved, so I don't know if I really like. It wasn't like cheating and they broke my heart, heart, heart. I haven't um, had an experience like that, but it was really just, damn, like, this is really how it goes. You know, my mom had kind of described, you know, relationships with women, you know, they they are they are going to, you know, trust you and believe in you and, you know, and I'm not saying all women are one way, but my early experience was, with the more aggressive ones, you know, I realized that, you know, it was, I liked older women at a young age, you know, so I, I felt like they were, they were dealing at a different pace. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I was a freshman. Um, I lost my virginity till she was 18. I was 14. Um, and it was like, it was really just a pressure. I was playing basketball, I was on varsity. 
this is I was in Germany at the time, and um, you know, it was just a pressure. Like I really ain't know how to say no. It's kind of like and and J. J Cole describes this whole experience perfectly for, <laughs> for young black guys. You know right. what I mean? Um, and he uses the word that I wouldn't use to describe her, but his bars is, uh, should I admit that a slutty bitch was my first smash? Was inexperienced, so now nah, I ain't worried. I always thought my first time would be someone I cared about, but being a virgin was something to be embarrassed about. I used that for practice, so I wasn't scared out my mind. And it was like, you know, he rapped that, and I'm not saying, you know, it was word for word, but that's the experience, like, and that's the experience a lot of my boys dealt with, too, like, it was just, you know, it, she wasn't the one, but it happened, right? It happened. Yeah. Um, so pair that to, and that, she wasn't my girlfriend. Um, so, you know, fast forward, I got cheated on twice in high school. Um, and then my senior year, I had a relationship, and it was quick. <laughs> it was quick. Uh, but, you know, two years later, she became my child's mother, um, Sequoia. So, you know, that's kind of how that worked out. And in that period, I was definitely lusting a lot. Um, because at that point, it wasn't about attachment for me. You know, I don't mean to laugh. It's like, I, I definitely understand the weight of my decisions now, mm-hmm. especially when I became a father. But back then, it was, you know, my neighborhood, you kind of got credit for three things. You get sports, you know, you, you sell, you got money. Or, you know, girls like you, you know, Um, and that was the respect, you know, that was kind of the tears I felt, you know, and I I could talk to girls. I I liked being around women. I've always liked being around women. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that age, I think everything was just hyper intense. It was just, it was go out, party, you know, and, and, um, find somebody to spend the night with, you know, and at, at some point, things just started adding up in a crazy way, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, you, you you start seeing how all of these actions are changing people, mm-hmm. right? You start seeing how, like, yo, she dated him, she's not the same no more. Like, bro, that was my man. He broke up with her, and then he a completely different person. Like, he don't even come around. Like, you just start seeing how so much of how we stand straight up is attached to what we experience in love, what we experience in being accepted, what we experience in being adored, all those things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was, yeah, I started off loving, then I ended up less than big time. You know, um, thus, thus having a son at 20. Right. You know? um, and how did you, know, what was your initial reaction? To but, hearing that. Yeah. Sequoia's pregnant. Yeah. Um, my initial reaction to her or to myself? For yourself. I was terrified. I was like, I was scared. I was so, so scared. Oh, my God, Chase. I just, I, I had so many fears, man. Like, I didn't want to be a bad dad. You know, I didn't want to be a, somebody who couldn't take care of what they created. You know, I didn't want to be somebody who didn't have a relationship with what they created. Um, and I just, I just knew I was unprepared. You know, I didn't really have, I didn't have a place to stay. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I was bouncing around and have no money, no consistent job, no benefits, nothing to offer a person coming into this world. Um, yeah, it was scary, but you know, when Sequoia told me, I what can you say? You know, like it's, it's I understood why she was making the decision she was making because it was a decision. Um, and I, you know, I just. I had a robber moment. I told her, like, if you had a baby, that's my boy. Though. Like, that. <laughs> I don't know why I called him a boy that quick, but I was <laughs> like, that's my baby. Like, if you, I'm telling you right now, like, if you have a baby, that's my baby. Mm. Um, what were your first prayers to God like when you found out you were going to be a father? I wasn't talking to God at that time. Huh. What What, what was the blockage? I thought I was on the other side. You know, they say you start doing certain things, you can't go back, right? Like, you make these decisions, you sin or whatever. It's like, I don't really want to talk to God, you know? Um, And I I don't know if I was looking for him either. Mm -hmm. You know, I I really thought it was just all me at this point. So um, I wasn't really praying, you know? If I can look back, you know, the beauty about that period is that I had people around me that was praying, you know, whether they were articulating or not, because they already knew the type of stuff that I was going through and experiencing. So, yeah, they were praying. When I started talking to God, I feel like it was when I met my son's eyes, you know, not to make it overly dramatic, but that was one of the most powerful moments I've ever felt on this earth. That was one of the most alive and terrifying and I guess inspiring moments I've ever felt. He was pure. He looked up at me and he loved me, you know, and it was just like, you know, we really about to do this, you know? Um, but I held him there and I instantly felt like he could see all my shame, all the mistakes I made, all the decisions. I, you know, I felt like he knew it all. Um, and I did not like that I wanted to look away, mm-hmm. you know? So a lot of my change, you know, a lot of it has been inspired and inspired by the fact that I don't want to have to look at him and feel like I'm lying in no part of my life. I don't want to have to look at him and feel like I got to hide, you know? Um, I'm thankful that he knows a few about me right now, but as he grows older, I am happy to know the things that he will be learning about me. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that that now looking back eight years later, that's one of the fears that I don't have that I did. then. You know, I was scared that I wouldn't be a good dad. OK, super quick break. Are you up on my audio vision boards? Well, I'm sure you know how the usual vision board works, right? You don't know. It's a collage of words slash images to inspire slash remind you, me of the goals we want to manifest. Well, this is a remix of sorts that you can carry in your headphones. They are modernized affirmations for today's dope woman. I also got some for my dope men out there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Either way, written and voiced by the kid right here and scored by some of the best producers I know with the goal of keeping our self-taught game in check. But of course, I am going to hype my own shit up because later. So I'll let someone else spill some good words. I actually became friends with Tracy way before she became friends with me. I found out about her and her audio vision boards through Twitter. 
And when I listened, it was like my homegirl was giving me a positive reality check. At the time, I was going through so much, and her audio vision board helped me to snap back to exactly where I needed to be to push forward. Um, she gave me the motivation I needed with her words when I really couldn't find my own with her audio vision boards. And for that, I'm just eternally grateful. Go to she'sbeautyandthebeast.com slash boards and listen for yourself. All right, Rob, we're coming back to you. We've covered a lot from understanding your affinity with hugs to advice you've now retired um, and no longer hand out. And we even found out that Rob Hill Sr. lost his virginity at the tender age of 14. Am I correct? <laughs> yeah. True, true life. <laughs> and I thank you um, for really kind of showing the seeds that eventually sprouted all the branches to who the hell you are today. You know? So with that said, let's continue to climb because now, Rob, in 2016, you know, your words aren't reaching just a handful of people on a newsletter anymore right? You're selling out thousands of books. You've got damn near 500,000 people who stalk, lurk, and celebrate your Instagram posts. And <laughs> <laughs> maybe not necessarily in that order, maybe not even similarly, right, right. like all at the right. same time. <laughs> so, we can exchange the adjectives. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and, and so, in other words, to me, we've got this major element in the game now, which is visibility like in size 65 font big time visibility um and what comes with it besides all the good and the leverage and being able to engage with more people all of that it also basically serves as a an invite an open invite for critics and or haters to formulate and share some not so flattering opinions of you right and so I remember 20 freaking 14 when Complex had put out this article and you already know where I'm, where I'm going with this, the 10 people you should not listen to on the internet. And this guy, mm -hmm. I haven't seen his name since, but Quentin Narcisse or whatever. And just to quote what young Quentin had written at the time, he said, I have no idea what Hill's occupation is other than delivering lukewarm tweets about love and life choices that lonely folk gravitate towards and retweet and label as real when it's simply just corny he's the watered down version of tony robbins or any other life coach for that matter and while i respect his hustle it comes off as disingenuous you can live by his gems if you'd like but any man who posts fake deep tweet grams is automatically spam in my book and quote boba all right so this is part of the game i'm interested in knowing my friend um what was your reaction back then and then juxtapose it wait hold on hold on hold on hold on, hold on. Mm -hmm. i'm trying to hear you better go ahead go ahead oh what was the last thing that you heard you said this is part of the game. Okay. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Got you. Yeah. So, right. um, and I'll, and I'll start from there. Um, yeah, these type of, this is not even 
well, I guess if you want to call it feedback, but you obviously have to insert the adjective negative before it. This type of negative feedback is also what comes when, and our keyword right now is visibility, is um, major with you. So for me, though, because I feel like there is a lesson in this and I feel like anyone who shares their life on the Internet in some form or fashion or, you know, their words of wisdom, whatever, is going to receive some type, you know, eyes are going to see it and they're Those eyes are going to receive it as a but nah. So what was your reaction back then, 2014, when that popped up and then juxtapose it with what are your reflections on it in 2016? Um, I, I think back then. I just didn't get it, you know, it was kind of like, <laughs> I did what everybody else did when Twitter came out or when Instagram came out, they shared whatever they thought needed to be shared, you know, um, and I thought, you know, maybe uh, it's coming off the wrong way, right? That's like the first question I asked, like, damn, is this really how I'm coming off? Mm. Um, and I had to ask myself that question. Right. You know, and then amidst all the jokes, you know, from guys or whatever. Um, and, I, you know, I, I just used to the comment used to be like, you know, he writes for women. He writes women, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the idea as if that was some. Less than audience to write to, mm. you know, this is who I grew up around. You know, this is who supported me my whole life. This is who um ha has been there you know if i've learned some lessons through through the ones in my life i can at least share at least, you know the fruit um so i didn't think that i was trying to be any kind of way you know as i look back on it now you know it, it was a list of people who were very interested list of people you know and i i don't know i wasn't I don't know. Just, I, I think I was just caught off guard for real. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was never anything major to me uh, because I've always known what this work is really about. But, you know, we got to be conscious of, you know, the words we put out and how it makes people feel. And then I didn't realize, right, when I first started writing, I was I was writing from, let's say, a person who just learned a new way, mm -hmm. you know, so you know how people like get saved and then they like super, super Christian. Right. Um, I kind of was like feeling my healing a little bit and I just wanted to share, you know, and get the bad stuff away from me. Right. And I didn't realize that it was women who would read it and then send it to their, their guy. Right. And there was some guys who was getting these messages every time I posted them. Right. So there was a natural <laughs> there was a natural resentment brewing. Like, right? like Steve Harvey. Like, they're like, dog, yeah. whose side are you on? <laughs> right. They're like, yo, why are you listening to this dude so much? Mm -hmm. You know, like it, it's it was it was a I guess a natural resentment brewing. You know, so I understood that. Uh, but at the same time, I knew that for the guy who was willing to stop. And actually read it he was going to get closer to her you know and at the end of the day that exchange is a little bit more important than um being joked on mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i i'm, I'm cool with that mm -hmm. you know um i think that 
you know, the work was a little bit more important. And I've always just been focused on getting better at my work. Right. Right. So I didn't necessarily take it as a challenge. I, I think it was just more so a marker, you know, like, you know, you're being heard uh, with some people who are also being heard in a, a high value, but not necessarily being respected, you know, by what they're sharing. Um, and I just wanted to step back and make sure, is this really how I'm coming off? You know, a lot of it made me want to travel. You know, I wanted to look people in the eyes and have conversations and have real moments. And like, you know, is this really, you know, do you group me over there or do you understand what I'm trying to share? And more often than not, when I look people in their face, even the ones who, you know, maybe is like, man, I said a couple jokes on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, they, 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 they position themselves from a, a point of understanding. You know, like I get it. And I actually appreciate that you speak on those things. Mm -hmm. You know, more of us should. Um, and, you know, even now, I think that the conversation and the stuff is more and more popular. You know, again, I was, you know, 25, 26, 27. Um, and it, it might not have been uh, the best time for people to receive it from me in mm. some ways, you know, and I had to embrace that, too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um because when you're when you're a trailblazer, you know, that blaze, those f the fire <laughs> that's needed to create this yeah. trail can burn a little bit, you know. And so that sparks and not to continue playing on words, because, you know, I'd be a rapper on the Lilo. But that <laughs> sparks <laughs> two questions for me off of that. Um, the first one is I think a lot of people in that position may have been taken aback to the point where self-doubt may have started brewing. Did that happen to you at all with seeing, cause you know, complex and complex has been a major um, publication brand for a while now. So mm -hmm. to be a part of that, to be covered by this brand for the first time and it's, you know, not in a way that you want to print and post on your wall. Did it make you at all, say god damn like did it cut was it embarrassing and if it was just how do what do you tell yourself what does your self-talk sound like in moments of doubt uh i can't say that that article made me doubt myself okay um and that's not like you know any blind confidence or anything that's just i don't know that guy <laughs> you know and it was really that simple to me mm -hmm. um, i don't know you uh, I'm, I've been a little bit of everywhere and uh, it, 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 it matters what the people you really spend time with say, you know, the people you really try to help what they say. Um, and I, I didn't take that as a moment of doubt. Now, as a writer, as a man, as a boy, as a person, I've battled with self-doubt my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have had relationships with my parents that make me question certain things about myself relationships with my family like i think that that's been a part of my identity you know and that's why i want to work and learn to have a secure one right right that's why i want to have love and a positive self-image and all of these things because that's just a part of it you know as a writer you know we 
we're constantly asking ourselves to confront it on paper, right in front of our face, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to be able to identify whether that's the truth or the lie, you know, and if we can't, we need to do research. It's a process. Um, and that, wow. yeah, I've had a lot of self-doubt in that process. Right. You know, um, so yeah, do, sure. do you, do you journal your way like through it or do you just feel it for a second because, no feelings are necessarily bad. It's only when they turn into action, you know, when they really become cemented and mm-hmm. and certain feelings, you know, we play them on repeat, blah, blah, blah. But like, what is your process of undoing doubt? I, I guess it depends on the season and what I'm feeling doubt about. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I became a dad at 20. Um, and I think every time I struggle, I, uh, I doubted myself, you know, I felt bad, you know, that type of thing. Uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship, if I got behind on money and didn't manage it right, I doubted my dream, I, I felt bad. You know, um, what I do is I try to just center myself. At the end of the day, what's real and what's not? Mm-hmm. You know, are you trying? Are you really putting forth the effort? Are you really planning? Are you trying to grow from your mistakes? Or are you just doing the same old things? Um, and I can say that I keep growing. I don't repeat the same stuff over and over again. It might be an ugly mess the first time. Um, I'm always willing to stay until it's cleaned up. Um, and then I'll take the lesson and move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, And I pride myself on that. You know, uh, so I can't, I don't, I don't, I don't sit with doubt too long. You know, um, I have gone through periods of depression, you know, so I don't want to say too long as far as putting a day or an hour or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I have periods where I felt less than myself. You know, I've, I've, I've had periods where um, I was forced to fight for things I don't think that I should have ever had to fight for. You know, where I was in a position where it was scary, you know, and then at the end of the day, you got to just stop. And like, again, I always ask myself, what's real about this moment? I'll go stand in the mirror and literally talk to myself. Right. What's the truth? Mm. You know, and I just ask myself, what's the truth? And usually when I look at myself and I ask, what's the truth? I, I get it. Right. That's true. I like, yeah, not to continue with the true word, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that is that is that is very true because um I often believe our imagination um it's just this never ending field and again going back to the way we feel we and Malik says this a lot um we give feelings too much power to the point where they become facts but they're not, not all the time anyway. And sometimes you just have to, when you say something aloud and really just hear it, then um, that's when the truth really shows, shows its face. Is there anything that you're, um, you're comfortable sharing when you are saying how um, there are at some points where you are forced to fight to keep things or just the the bouts of depression that you've um experienced in your life is there anything specific that you're cool with sharing you're just guiding this so eloquently i love you tracy no, I i'm am. playing <laughs> 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 uh, I, 
hate you. You're my friend for real, so I get to break it up a little bit. <laughs> right, um, you do. But, nah, nah, nah. You know, I've, uh, again, you know, for, for two years, you know, uh, me and my child's mother, um, we had a difference in uh, opinion on how things should go for our son. Mm-hmm. And I think that at some point, you know, we were unable to communicate. Um, and again, I, 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 I say it this way, not to tiptoe, but this is a respect thing um, for her, for our child. Of and course. then, you know, also for, 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 for the greater mission of family over a brand or anything, you know. So um, we, it took about a two-year process, not due to any one of our faults, but, you know, it's kind of the court, you know. But um, in the process, you know, it at times it felt unfair. At times it felt confusing. At times it felt um, all types of things, you know, because I, I've never wanted to be in a position where, um, I had to tell my son it was another man's choice what happened between us. It was somebody else's decision how we got to spend our time. You know, that I, could, that I couldn't get to a place as a man where I could communicate with his mom and find a solution. You know, that I, I couldn't, you know, show up and make sure that his life continued in a way that we had discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, these were all real things, but I, it's not—it's not like my dad taught me how to do this. He lost that battle, you know. My stepdad ain't teach me how to do this. He lost that battle, and when I say lost, it's—it's it's, it's not to say they don't have that relationship, but it's different, you know. It's different. This is my life. This is my choice. And granted, I started, you know, younger than I was ready for. Um, it was just on me to do whatever I had to 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 maintain. And I wasn't trying to take anything from her. I was really just trying to maintain. And I don't think it was in her her desire to take anything from me. I just think that her way, you know, uh, would have required a lot to change. And I thank God that it didn't change. You know, I thank God that um, the process was long enough for her perspective to adjust, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and that allowed us to to get out of there and and maintain what we've always had, and that's peace, because he doesn't even know it happened. Right. Um, wow. And you know that's the way we want to keep it. You know, of course, Tracy's gonna blow up, and he may hear this one day. <laughs> uh, I prom I won't make it into a crafty tweet. But, <laughs> it won't. It won't happen <laughs> like that. I promise you. But. Believe me, believe me, believe me. By then, he'll have a, a very, very clear understanding of this, mm-hmm. um, as you know, as he should, because uh, as parents, we have a clear understanding of it, right? You know, um, and we'll, we'll continue to do that, you know, because that part is over. But that that sucks, man. I just never saw myself doing that, you know. I never saw myself having to go through that process, you know gathering the women in my family, you know, at a courtroom, you know, um, and, you know, after a while, life just feel like, you know, you always going to pay for decisions that you made when you were young, you know, um, and I just really, you know, I, I kind of battle with myself through that. You know, I think any man who's gone through that courtroom and felt how suffocating that process is, felt how many options you didn't have, you know, how, how, how disconnected and, and, 
and really helpless, it feels to stand there, you know, and to stand across from somebody who who you, you made something with, right? And, and it's stiff and it's tired and it's all of these things. Like, that's not cool, you know? That's not cool. And his family's going through that every day, people making decisions every single day that change the course of, of these kids' lives, like their whole emotional health, you know? Um and it's it's you know that that was just somewhere I had to really step and look at myself like you know what what things can change and what things can improve mm-hmm. you know and it's not that her and I have ever had major drama again it's when your kids get ch- school age you know you're gonna want your kid to go to school over here you might want your kid to go to school over here you might want them to go to this type of school you might want them to go to that type you know you might need an aftercare this parent might you know what I mean it's a it's a variety of things that can happen. And and it's important to continue to communicate throughout that process. Right. Um, and our son is about to turn nine, you know. And again, we we just reflecting on the many birthday parties we've done and stuff like what we're gonna do this year. Mm. Um, but it feels good to have that friendship. Like I I know Sequoia back in middle school, you know. Um, now granted, I moved around forever, but this is somebody that I've at least known for a while. We can look at each other like friends, right. you know, and that strength allows for our son to be one of the most vibrant young people in this world. You know, it allows him to be one of the most loving, truthful, humble people, you know, because he understands uh, the reality of life. That's good. That's very, very good. I'm glad that you guys have graduated to that new level, you know. And like you said, really what um what did it is communication. Open, honest, non-judgmental communication. And the reason why also the reason why I felt like it was important to um to ask you that and and I appreciate you sharing that cuz you didn't need to and if you didn't I wouldn't have felt any type of way. But I feel like Rob there's for people in your position um, there's a very unfair expectation that folks have, um, which is that Rob Hill Sr. should be immune to stress or to making mistakes. You know what I mean? So essentially immune to reality. <laughs> and you're just living in some alternate world where every fucking day is sunny. And then, you know, and obviously you're someone who still carries a torch of light, even when there is darkness around you. But at some points, you you're still fucking human. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're still human. And it was just important for me um, as a friend and also for the sake of this podcast, because it's all about emotional empowerment, you know, and the only way we're going to get that is through the process of humanization, you know, if that's actually a word, but you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, though, but at the subject. All right. And I know that we, um, we talked about this before, and this is the only time I'm going to bring it up. Um, so I will never forget. I'm over at Sway, and I'm doing my research for um, entertainment news. You know that I got to deliver. And I go to TMZ.com, and I say, dog, no! <laughs> I know my friend is not on TMZ. And I know this because I I know him personally and no calls to Harvey were made from his phone. Um, And I definitely 1001% and we talked about this. I don't want to violate the privacy of what you have or had 
with Latoya, especially because she's not on this line and I'm having a conversation with her as well. But the learnable moment within this is, in my opinion, in the form of a question, how did you handle people attacking your integrity during that time because of that relationship dissolving? Um, one, I put my phone down. Mm-hmm. And I understand that there are going to be things that happen in our lives that we can't explain immediately. Um, and it's okay, you know, um, how it got to TMZ. I don't, you know, we don't need to go into all of that. You know, we fell in love. And the truth is we didn't plan very well together. Um, we're not alone and isolated in this. This happens in relationships. Um, and people do hold me to a standard, you know, vulnerability and transparency, um, the things that I've shared. I understand the care, you know, uh, the attack. I don't even want to say it was an attack. You know, people just felt strongly about what they already wanted to believe. Mm -hmm. And that was that a young man like myself can't mean what he says, because that's the story that they've heard their whole life that a young man like myself can't be stand up or be honest or have integrity that he can't make mistakes and bounce back and learn and can't grow and can't offer true love and not cheat and actually be there and be you know a communicator and be open all of these things it has to be a lie because the one time they tried it didn't work mm. it has to be a lie because their dad might have cheated or they might have known a pastor that cheated one time and there were all of these examples of men who fell short and the truth is, it gets hard to look for one that can, you know, do better, I guess. Uh, but the truth is, you know, I'm, you know, they still got to see me for me. At the end of the day, I've always put we, our, us in these messages. I've always wrote it. So the friends who are out there, they can hold me accountable. They can be iron to my iron and we can sharpen each other. You know, rather than take a step back and say, look at you, you know, um, there's a, there's another approach to be made. Um, on the flip side, um, it was this idea that I would hide it. Mm. This idea that this person who showed up showing you so much of itself would now suddenly hide. And... I didn't realize that was the narrative. You know, I didn't realize that was, oh, he did it. And I have no history of silencing anybody who's trying to share the truth about me. I don't do that. You know, so that was a that was a that was a, a thing that really bothered me in a way, you know, but it's, it's only so many points to prove about your character. You either can walk um, and continue to be who you are and let that show. You know, or you can be screaming in the street trying to get everybody to show you, you know, or try to get everybody to believe. I know um, what's happened. You know, I know what's real, you know, and, and that's kind of where I have to focus. And I guess the third layer is 
who this has now opened me up to. Mm. There have been a generation of people, uh, millions of people who have found love and lost it, who have gone really far, been willing to sacrifice it all, and it did not work how they thought it would. You cannot deny that I have true experience to attach to that. You also cannot deny that I have a real gift to help people. These are things that, that, that are true. You know, so I now see a new place to serve. And if this is what God designed for my life, then I'm going to take it. And if it doesn't add up to everybody, then that's cool. But I guarantee you, every day of my life, I will be helping someone. Mm -hmm. At the end, that's going to be clear, you know, and I just try not to get misguided about how it looks like right now, you know, because it's, it's, is this is not a this ain't my message. I never showed up saying I created this message of love. I learned it. Right. And then I repeated it. And that's what we're supposed to do with the truth. That's what we're supposed to do with the things that make us grow. I could be like your favorite rapper. I could be like these other people who portray characters and have no moral responsibility. I could be all of these things. I've decided that I am going to try and be something more. I got a son who I want to be something more. If I don't try to model that now, he has no shot at that ever. Everybody who don't get that got to get out my way, Tracy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's wisdom. That is pure freaking wisdom. Um, Thank you, bro. I appreciate that because I received a lot from it. Um, and it also reminds me, I forgot what verse it is, but you know, all things will be used for good. Like that is the promise from God to me. Amen. All things, not as individual aspects, but blended, you know? And yeah. oftentimes if we look at our experiences in isolation, yeah, they fucking suck. And we'll just magnify the fact that in that moment it sucked, right? But that's only one ingredient to what's being cooked up right here, you know? Because, you know, if we make like chocolate chip cookies or something like that, uh, the egg yolk alone tastes disgusting. <laughs> like it does mm -hmm. except to like you know maybe gaston from beauty and the beast i don't know if you ever watched that disney classic yeah 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 they better not fuck it yeah, up too yeah, when they do yeah, that remake mm -hmm. <laughs> but but yeah but uh, like two cups of flour taste disgusting but it's a part of the recipe and when it's all put together with all of the different ingredients and then put into the oven to receive some heat. Heat. Amen. The test. What builds up our character, you know, and there's no way to prove that you are who you say you are without a goddamn test. Exactly. That's it. And it's not for the public to grade, you know what I'm saying? That's something between you and God. 
and obviously well maybe not obviously but for me and i've and i told you this too through our um our personal conversations but i recognize authenticity i do and you've got it and i think for anyone who's listening um if they didn't know you i think that's clear if there is anyone who had a speckle of of doubts that arrived in their mind because they saw a human humaning <laughs> you know <laughs> i think now this just it just it just it make it makes it very very clear of who you are and it's because of the the hardship it is it it is because of the hardship like it's very telling with how someone reacts when a challenge comes their way and and i'm i'm happy that you kind of brought us took us through those three layers because so many people have, especially online, have some level of like, quote unquote, fame, you know, and mm-hmm. it can be unraveled, depending on who you really are, not unraveled if um, like this imaging is actually really your identity. Um, right. But someone is going to attempt to unravel because it just appears that everything online is fake. Right. And so if you're being if you're being questioned, it can just send you into like a frenzy, even outside the Internet. If someone just sees you make a a major mistake or something appears like a mistake or blah, 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 blah. It's like, damn, you kind of do feel like for some folks, I want to defend my name as soon as possible and really loud. But I like everything that you said, because sometimes that's not what's most effective. Yeah, if I'm trying to, I don't even want to cut you off, but if I'm trying to earn your ear, I got to wait until you silent. Boom. If everybody, you know, if, if everybody is talking and they're deciding that this is how they feel, I obviously got to shut up. Like, what, I'm going to scream over you, you know, on the internet? Like, I'm not about to do that. Right. You know, the one thing that people can say, anybody who's ever met me since I've been traveling on this journey, because I've been in every city, I've been a little bit of everywhere. You know, I have always looked people right in their face. I have allowed people to ask me what they need to. I don't do scripted interviews or play games. I know for a fact how important it is for people to see and judge for themselves, you know, for people to feel it. You know, I'm not trying to fake. Um, I think that it's, it's just in those times where, you know, it, it, people are taught to look at life in a certain way. You know, um, and you, you got to kind of stay silent until you can suggest a new thing. Absolutely. If you care to get through. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. If I, if I was just trying to defend me, I guess I could speak up at any time because I don't care who's listening. I'm just talking just, you know, just so I can say I said something. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but. The truth is, I was always just trying to find the listeners. You know, I was always trying to find the people who were looking for something to receive. I was never saying, everybody, you know, come my way. Uh, Because the truth is, this way I'm going to work for you. You know, but I thank God that there's so many other messengers who do have one. Um, And if you don't find that messenger, that means that you are uh, the one who who is here uh, to fix the mess, you know? Right. Absolutely. Have you learned um, anything new about boundaries in the internet? Like, have you been reshaped by this? 
Uh, the only thing that sucks about this is that everybody, they because they are aware of a relationship, they swear that I'm posting trying to send a message. Mm. You know, because they have this... <laughs> Because they have this idea in their head that they really have the timetable right. Like, this happened here, and this happened here, and this happened here. So that's why he's posting this. Um, and the truth is, you have you have no idea, you know, um, and you couldn't be more off. But the truth, you know, I... I Shots! I, I'm just saying, like, I would never... I would... I Listen, I love and respect Latoya too much to ever post an internet message to her. You get what I'm saying? Like, this... This is this is not something you do when you got respect for people. Like I see dudes break up with their girl, they quick to post, I'm single, blah, blah, blah. Listen, it's it's not about that. I respected someone, I cared for someone, I gave something real to someone. Regardless of how it ended, I know for sure that I showed up to build and I did not destroy. Now, granted, it might not be perfect, but I'm not about to be, you know, on the internet trying to post messages and I've always shared the lessons I've learned. You know, it's just whack now that people just swear. Like, like dude, leave a comment like, yo, just call her, bro. Like, bro, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's that's not that, you know, that's 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 not this type of thing. Um, so that's that's probably the only whack part, you know, is that I I'm I am conscious of the fact that people think that they know my life. So they, you know, they kind of put my words through a certain filter right now. Um, And, you know, that's okay. Um, It's it's a little, it's a little whack, but I got to say it's okay. You know, because just as I earned their ear the first time, I then have to refresh that, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do. I got a new book coming called Truce. And it is an amazing book about connection. Right. You know, not how to get married in 10 days or anything like that you know it is a book about um, men and women connecting and in the battle of sexes learning to see and communicate with each other in a new light um and do you you have a date for that yet it's gonna be the end of january before valentine's i don't have an official date yet okay okay good truce yeah we need that man because i think with everything that you've been saying, um, in this era, sometimes it feels like fiction will overshadow facts if that fiction is more entertaining than the facts. <laughs> People will just sure. reach for that. You know what I mean? Sure. You know what I'm interested in? When you yeah. said when you said messengers, and I want to go back to um to truce and also you putting out um again an updated version of one of your older books. Who are your messengers, Rob? The people I listen to, look towards. Yeah, read whatever. I have read a little bit of everybody. I think that I was young, right? So you know, we 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 traveled, of course. Mm-hmm. That kind of put me in a lot of churches. Right. Everywhere we went, I was in a new church, sometimes a couple of different spots. So I started learning um, or hearing a lot of people deliver messages. Right. And I would see this person I connect with, this person I don't. And it was interesting to me at an early age to see how I would connect to who and where. Um, from there, you know, I've read books from everyone. Um, 
Mike Murdoch, The Assignment. I've read, um, of course, you know, The Alchemist, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. But I really tried to read um, a little bit of everything, right? So you got Mark Nepo. I just read the books that I've read this year. How about that? I likes. Um, and that that's a more accurate picture. Um, but 7,000 Way for Listening by Mark Nepo. Mm. which is a great book. Grit by Angela Duckworth. Um, Presence by Amy Cuddy. Um, 101 Power Thoughts by Louise Hay. You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Uh, Better Than Before mm-hmm. by Gretchen Rubin. Yes. Between the World and Me, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, Smarter, Faster, Better, Charles Duhigg. Healing the Core Wound of Unworthiness by Adi Ashanti. Mm. Um, I've read Karma by Monique Jewel Anderson. Um, the Spirit of Man, Ian Van Zandt. Mm-hmm. So this year, you know, I kind of just read a little bit uh, of everything. And... You know, reading just, it's been something that's kind of always been a part of me. I have a natural thirst for information. You know, I just, I've seen how information can change things for people, you know, and I've always, you know, just had a natural thirst for it. So I I, I read, you know, and I got people in real life. I love you. I like Alex L. I like Raina. I like Jazz. She, Jazz Flash, she always makes me think. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. We're heel. Urban Cush, she's dope. Um, I, I don't. I, I listen to a little bit of everybody. You know, I've always, you know, the Navy kind of taught me that. You know, in life, but Navy specifically, there's something to learn from everyone. You know, there's something to learn from everyone. All the parts of the world I've went as an adult man and seen, uh, whether it was Dubai, Bahrain, Turkey, Nice, France, Marseille, uh, whatever. You know, it was it was just being real. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. So, so then I would assume. Actually, let me not even start off like that. I had a conversation on Twitter maybe like two months ago because I was curious about what self care looks like for men. It's obviously been a very um, major subject of interest <laughs> for women <laughs> this year. Yeah. Um, but it's something I rarely hear or see spoken aloud by men. So what is it? What is it for you? What does self-care mean to you? <laughs> self-care for me usually means a woman. <laughs> is that right? Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. It reminds me of, you know, when... For me now, you know, it's working out. It is setting goals. It is um, being willing to stop and just be patient. It's, it's reading. It is cooking for myself. Um, I just got some plants recently. I'm trying to observe things grow. You know, I say that's healthy for you. Absolutely. Um, and make sure it, that you talk it, to them. Yeah, it's coloring. Um it is. It is all. It's all these things, you know. And these are the things that I'm learning how to do. I I wasn't always great at self care, you know. Um, 
most men, you know, we're taught um, not how to be men, but more so what men do, you know, and we we provide, do this, blah, blah, blah. So I'm kind of learning. Like, it took me, I don't want to say how long, but it took me a long time to get a pedicure. You know? <laughs> Where's that photo at? Post it on and the gram, accept, son. Look, and to accept <laughs> that it was necessary, you know, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, you didn't get the super glossy clear coat though, right? Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> she had this polish. I was like, nah, we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. All right, cool. We don't want self care. The they did put my feet in a little wax bag though. Little... Oh, that's fine. It ain't like you taking that shit home. We just don't want the clear polished self care oh, gone nah. wild. A little might be too much. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I'm gonna keep it standard. I'm gonna keep it standard. You know, I don't really do too that. I don't even wear accessories and that. People always get on me mm-hmm. about stuff like that. But. What can you share with um, women about creating a safe space for the men in our life to be more openly vulnerable? Hmm. Slippery slope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you say, what can you share for women? Um, I will say that a man is never going to forget a woman that makes him feel heard. He is never going to forget someone who validates his thoughts, someone who makes him feel smart, um, someone who makes him feel safe um, in his unknowing at times. Um, We are always going to remember the girl who was our friend. Um, And we're always going to remember who made a safe spot right i was sharing on twitter the other day um loving is meant to give us safe places of return mm. you know when, when you invest it you're supposed to be able to go back you know and that's not and i don't want people to hear that and take that the wrong way but it's just when you're in a relationship you know and you're loving um you should be able to bring real parts of yourself back you know this sometimes we get dirty in this world we make mistakes you should be able to bring real parts of yourself back you know and i think that you know just that empathetic listening that validating thoughts is important Mm -hmm. you know and again that would require him to be a smart man a man with a plan of course all of these things um but i would assume that we were talking about a a, a worthy counterpart right so i'm like everything else can get out the paint (laughs) right 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 right, (laughs) absolutely are those the type of things that um that you touch on with truce uh truce is 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 um to me it's a book about new ways and truce stands for trust resolution understanding clarity and evolution Mm -hmm. and in the book it's really um, a map to become the maestro of peace in our lives through um, connection, right? Through intellectual, spiritual, uh, mental and physical connection. You know, how can we look at these bonds and use our experiences, use the things that we believe our knowledge and our tools uh, to maintain peace and shared harmony? You know, um, so in the book, I kind of just redefine things, you know, what people believe happened in the beginning, you know, and what started the battle um, and where where we where we don't connect at times and then how it really relates to us as a generation, our speed, our time, 
you know, and, and what it really feels like getting close to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, what really happens when you decide to shut someone out. You know, um, I think sometimes it's just taking practical things and simplifying them um, in a way that people can't miss, you know, in a way that they say, hey, a part of me is in that, you know, and there's something more to consider. Mm-hmm. You know, so the book comes with a journal. It's something that I really I want people to sit and talk. You know, this is one of those things that it would serve you if you had someone to read it to. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I I, I want to get um, a little bit more activity going because I think sometimes we receive things that can serve our community and we don't create ways to share them. Right. When I say our community, the people right there around us, those neighbors, you know, that are connected, um, whether that neighbor is a coworker, a mother, family, a friend, you know, the people around you, you know, we have to start making sure they at least have access to the information that is growing us, especially if we want to grow together. Yeah. So truce is to me, uh, it's, it's just a time to break from the battle, a time to consider some new things, you know, very clearly in the intro, I I let people know you didn't start reading this book to hear the same things you've heard before reworded. You know, if it sounds different, I ask you to consider it in a new way, you know, just because that we've, we've had, you know, I say this all the time, we have 50 years of relationship experts. At some point, it's going to take us to be David, to be Paul, to be the writers um, of great works, Shakespeare, and contribute something that fits the mess in our time, right? We have to develop a message uh, for this time, and that requires us to share practical stuff. You know, like, what you want me to write about God talking to me in a burning bush? Or do you want me to tell you that my heart was broke one time? Mm-hmm. Um because that's the message that I can give you the reality from, you know. So in truth, it, it really just considering old things in a new way. That's the whole emphasis of the book, you I'm, know. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely here for it. And then about something real, which is a, a re-release. Um, and I remember you mentioned to me, you had put up 500 copies, right? 500 copies five years ago. That's when it came out, yeah? Yeah, it came out. September 17, 2011. Ooh, special day. Um, So talk to me about the reshaping because um, you have a quote that is right now my favorite and it's simple but packs such a punch and it's, um, I edit as I grow. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. with this, since you're actually doing this editing as you grow in the form of a re-release, What's different about it this time around? I wrote this book when I was on deployments. I was actually on the Eisenhower. I was sending these email stuff, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know how people would receive it. You know, I think I was writing it from a very raw and honest place because I didn't expect that many people to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, there's some truth that I feel like should be shared you know when when I first printed it I didn't really have an audience I didn't you know it was a gift for my family um and it wasn't I wasn't sure you know I kind of I kind of held it like whoa you're not just a writer you're actually an author like this is a real book um so I was I was too nervous you know I didn't want to share it um at a large scale so I never reprinted and it took me like 
almost a year to sell those 500 copies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it grew from there. But I think it's time, you know, it's five years. And, and, and I really do. I went back and read it this year. I went back and read through. And I, I kept talking to people. Like, I saw some people um, who had older copies and it gave them away. Like, hey, I can't get your first book. You know, is it available? So I'm like, I, I might as well, you know, share it again now. Not mine as well, but I think it's time to share it again now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, you know, I've edited it, kind of went through and just restructured some things, took some pieces out, added some pieces in. Um, and again, it's, the majority of people don't have a copy because right. it's not something I made available in ebook or something like that. It was literally 500 and done. I only have two copies left myself. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's time to share that. Hell yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing that, um, printed out again before I let your ass scurry along. Are you in Virginia? Yes. I'm about to go pick little Rob up from school. Uh, okay. Okay. Let me not have you late for that. I wanted to, <laughs> to, um, expound on one quote that, Ooh, Lord. A liar is usually the first person to reject honesty. They can't believe you're telling the truth because they know they'd lie. Mm -hmm. I just want to treat it. You know how like there'll be the director's cut of movies. (laughs) 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 Just be the director of this one scene where the star is this aphorism. (laughs) Yeah, you're hilarious. (laughs) Uh, so you ever just have people who are just, just always negative? They, they, they create so much stuff, um, in the world and it's forced them to see it through a certain light, right? They even told themselves that they were a victim. So they got to be this way that everybody takes advantage of them when they're too nice. So they got to be extra mean, all of these things, but a liar specifically um, they always want to make you second guess yourself. They always want to make you feel like you don't know like you think you do. They always want to make you feel like, uh, you, you know, you, 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 you just, you're in the dark, you know? Um, and oftentimes in a relationship, you know, when a person has not, we, we won't call them a liar, but when they haven't become comfortable with lies, um, that creates a barrier because they hear you with the filter. They see you with the filter because they know they've lied before. They, it's, it's kind of like when a person cheat and get paranoid, mm-hmm. right? They start, they start going through their partner phone wondering because they're looking for a reason to justify why they may have faulted, I guess. Um, but in this case is, is a person may ask you something you tell them and they're like, nah, yeah, they don't want to believe you, you know? Um, and in that caption of that quote, I put, if you never stop to clean up, eventually the dirt will change you and your view. Mm-hmm. Um, we project what we believe onto others. Um, and the point of that is, again, because they know they've lied so much mm-hmm. and they can't hear the truth. They don't even listen for the truth. Right. They listen to hear what they give. And that is lies. You know, so they're going to reject anything that isn't that. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. an honest person is not going to uh, reject honesty. Now, somebody telling the truth, they're not going to do that. Only a liar is going to reject honesty. 
you know. Um, so yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I, uh, again, you. I think you got to be solid to test integrity. I say that in the post too, but again, you you got to be solid to test integrity. Like you can't be out here uh, doing dirt and then doing inspections uh, because honestly, you don't know what to, you don't know what to look for. You, feel like you don't know you don't qualify to look over here so real this is why I, that is the number one reason i would tell anyone chill out on an affair for real because what's gonna mess you up whatever the obvious uh mess that can be laid before you if whomever leaving you blah 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 heartache tears nah fast forward five years what's really gonna go down is it's gonna be especially because you might still consider yourself a good person who did fucked up shit consciously is you are now going to look at everyone else who is showcasing themselves as a good person and wonder where's their dirt at. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm, and the best thing to do is the more that we do good in the world, the more you're going to think someone else has the same capacity to do so as well. Exactly. You believe in what you are. Bam. All right. One last thing. Gotta learn the difference between the ones who really care and the ones who just don't have anything else to do at the moment. Spoke to me because Please. I, yes, when 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 <laughs> someone asks me a question, um, it goes through this like little mental filter I have that will tell me is this person asking out of care or just asking out of curiosity. Because there will be people that will be like, oh, Tracy, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I'll answer. And they don't even reply back, dog. <laughs> right. Right. Like, naturally, you know, it's just like, I don't know, going with the motions. Like, it's interesting sometimes when just, a, a, you know, passing question of how are you and you answer and they don't say nothing back. And, you know, I don't go crazy with it, but I'm just such a, like, I'm just a very meticulous analyzer. Not to the point where it drives me crazy, but let me not say analyzer, noticer. And I'm like, yo. <laughs> a noticer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm making up all the words, dog. <laughs> but I noticed, and I'm like, so why the hell they ask? Like, what a mechanical freaking question that you just ask and you don't even know what happened. So, so what about if I was like, yo, I haven't gotten my period in freaking three months. That's how I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be yeah. off guard because you was asking out of curiosity, not care. And now you don't right. know how to, how to handle my truth. Which was, you know, just for <laughs> for, for the sake of example. <laughs> no, <laughs> do not. I am rejecting <laughs> what you are throwing into no, my I'm pot playing. of manifestation. I. I'm <laughs> but anyways, yes, director, talk to us about this. Um. Again, I I, I think that. You know, people confuse loyalty and somebody sticking beside you like, oh, they was always there. They, you know, they really care. And a lot of times it's, they just didn't have anything better to do. They, they, don't, they don't really care. Mm -hmm. You know, it was the best thing going for them. Um, and the minute their needs change, uh, their approach to you will change, you know, um, because like I've talked about this before, you know, a lot of people aren't loyal to you. They're loyal to their needs. You know, and the minute they have a different need, their relationship with you may be different. You know, so the only thing that tells us who's really real, who's really real, you know, it's time. It's patience. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's really taking a step back and say, does this person really care for me? Uh, or are they doing what's convenient for them? And this doesn't mean second guess everybody, you know, but again, it doesn't hurt to take a sec- another look. They say trust but verify. Mm-hmm. Who says that? It was like a Navy quote I heard. Mm-hmm. Salute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's one of them things I learned. I'm into it. I'm into it. Well, yeah. my friend, this was good. I think this was really good. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, and I enjoyed it. And I hope this is something that, you know, just to, not just our conversations, but the conversation you continue to have people, you know, keep creating safe places for people to, to share. This has been a long ass episode indeed, but I'm willing to bet all my damn edges. You understand why. <laughs> I appreciate Rob for sharing so much of his truth with all of us. He's obviously a wonderful soul. And you know what? Tell him that shit. You can find him all over the web at Rob Hill Sr. That's SR for the senior. Um, I'm also going to include that in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this interview, if you enjoy my overall work with this here podcast, thank you. Full sincerity. And do leave me a rating plus a review on iTunes and share it with friends, familia, significant others, insignificant others, whatever the hell feels right. I'm also at it's Tracy G, I-T-S-T-R-A-C-Y-G. I'm pretty much everywhere, yo. All right. I'll see y'all next Tuesday, my fellow humans. Till then, keep that soul lit. She's beauty and the beauty.